This is the Sustainable Goat Podcast. We look to nature for how we should interrelate to the world. All the answers are within nature if we take the time to listen. But what we have to find is a reasonable way how to handle plastic. You know, consumers expect more. They're expecting brands to be more sustainable. They're choosing sustainable brands. These are the stories and ideas from those that will define a generation. I'm your host, Steve Kastanem, and this is our planet in focus. So I'm super stoked about this interview. I think it's going to be so fun. I mean, I grew up a golfer, so golf to me, I think is an exciting frontier in sustainability. It's just kind of one of those areas where there's such an opportunity for growth. And so when I started diving in, you're one of the first companies that actually came up because I mean, golf balls are such an interesting part of the golf side of things, especially when it comes to waste. So, I mean, I want to start with kind of where, where's your golf journey start? Like what's your background in terms of just golf and growing up and what was kind of childhood like growing up? Yeah. So very nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Steve, for the invite. My personal golf journey started 16 years ago when I was uh, 15 at our local golf course in Austria. And that was basically the only reason why I started playing back then, because we had a fantastic golf course in my little uh, like village where I come from. And back then my dad started playing and uh, he asked me if I want to join him. And I said, yes, why not? I, I didn't really think that I would stick to it. Like uh, I always played soccer and tennis and other things and skiing Austria in, in wintertime. So golf was never really on the, on the agenda, but I don't know. I got hooked to the sport somehow. What is golf like in Austria? Like just wondering like as a sport, because I mean, in the, in the U S I mean, golf is huge. It's kind of the, the place for golf generally. What's it kind of yes. like in Austria? Well, it's, it's not like in the U S but it's not a small sport either. I think it's one of the biggest, like the golf association is one of the biggest, has one of the biggest memberships after soccer, tennis, skiing, probably the fourth biggest sport, I would say in terms of membership. Of course, there are other sports where people are not members like fitness or, or running or, or stuff like that. No, but it was growing a lot, I think, in the last 20, 30 years. And now pretty much everywhere you you have a golf course in, a, I don't know, you have to drive maybe 30 minutes, maximum one hour, and you have a golf course everywhere. Wow. That's incredible. So you grew up playing, did you, and you just kind of continued to play? Yes and no. So I played a lot in the first years, I would say in the first four or five years, I played a lot and I tried to improve and I, I had time for this as well. But then I started to do my, my bachelor's and kind of moved out from home and moved to another place. And there was just no golf course and other things were more important. And then pretty much I didn't play for yeah, almost 10 years. Wow. So I did play like maybe once a year, twice a year, something like that, mm-hmm. just to make my dad happy and yeah. <laughs> have a good time. But no, other than that, not really. And then like uh, two or three years ago, when the pandemic hit, so 2020, I kind of came back to the sport and I tried it again and I really, I really liked it. And that was also the time when we started our company, Tomorrow Golf. So that kind of is connected to each other. So since I'm now also in the golf business, I also need to play a lot of more golf. Yeah. I mean, that's a good side of it. 
Yeah, definitely the good side for sure. So what did you do before Tomorrow Golf? What was kind of your background and career before you decided to go and start this? Totally different. So I'm doing digital marketing for the last, yeah, maybe eight, eight years or so, working also in the sports industry, but a bit different. So I was working a couple of years for a sports betting company, doing social media marketing there. And after that, I was at Runtastic, which is a, a running app that is part of Adidas now, Adidas Running, where you track your runs, similar like Strava or something like that, you mm-hmm. maybe know. So I was doing also social media marketing and content marketing for them. And yeah, in the last uh, two years, I've been working at a digital agency in Germany. So uh, agency or, and consulting. and. Yes, but I always had the feeling like I wanted to start my own company. Mm-hmm. And sports was always my my passion. And that's where I saw myself. And when the opportunity came up and when, when we had the idea together with my, uh, with my co-founder, uh, Raphael, I said, okay, let's do that. There is nothing better to like combine your, your passion and your hobby with also what you can do in the professional life. So what I've learned in, in digital marketing helps me a lot in my in my daily job here, since my responsibility is mainly marketing and PR and this stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this helps me every day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, so how did the idea come about? Because I think that's always a fascinating side to me is there's there's always usually a story that goes along with, you know, that idea. And it they're not always complicated. Most of the time, they're actually quite simple. It's just like, man, we should do this. And then everybody does it. What was that story for Tomorrow Golf? Because you have a co-founder too, so. Yes. It's not that complicated or, or fancy. So the pandemic hit and uh, there was lockdown in Germany. And I had suddenly a lot of time to think about my life and what I want to do. And I don't know. Suddenly the idea hit me, okay, in terms of sustainability, the golf industry is a bit behind. I've never heard anything here, what is going on. And I did a lot of research. If there is anything like a sustainable golf ball out there. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of research and I made a big Excel list with all the golf ball manufacturers and brands and what they do and what they sell. And that was not a single company that I could find that we're doing something similar. There is one small company in the US. It's called Dixon Golf. I'm not entirely sure what they do, but they say it's a sustainable golf ball. Not so sure, but that's the only thing uh, I found. Yeah, and then I said, okay, let's try if we can find a manufacturer for that. And we, we called some people, we did some research, and we actually found a manufacturer in Europe who is actually the only golf ball manufacturer in Europe, which is wow. weird and stunning. Like, so just all the brands that make golf balls, it just all goes through the same factory, basically. So all golf ball brands manufacture in Asia. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Southeast Asia, Taiwan, usually these are the places. Some are manufacturing in the US, uh, some brands like Titleist. But yeah, for us, it was one thing was the, the sustainability part. But connected to this part was for us the European manufacturing. Because we see ourselves as a European brand. And for us, it was never an option to go to Asia and find a manufacturer there. Because, you know, emissions from transport and and so on 
that's something we really uh, didn't want to do. And yeah, and when I had the idea back then, uh, maybe two steps back, I called my friend Rafael, who I know from university, from my bachelor's. And he's a golfer as well, but only for two or three years. That's why I called him and I, and I like him. You know, we had a good relationship. And I said, look, Rafael, I have a good idea. We should make sustainable golf balls. And <laughs> would you like to be part of the part of the startup? And at first I needed to convince him. He said, ah, no, I'm not sure if this would work and if people are interested. And so, and I said to him, well, I don't know either, but <laughs> let's just try and see how it goes. Like uh, there is not so much we can lose. Mm. And yeah, a couple of months later, we started our own brand. That's amazing. Do you think there's like a, I don't know, like a component of that wanting to just try something that, that you have to kind of go, hey, what about this? Like, let's explore that. Because I mean, the golf ball industry is huge. I mean, actually, let's let's back up just slightly. For the people that don't know, what is a golf ball made of? Because I, I feel like a lot of people are like these little white things with dimples. Yes. They don't actually know the materials that are in them. So what is a golf ball actually made of? Yeah. So a modern golf ball is that people use right now is usually made of plastic on the outside and synthetic rubber on the inside. So that's the easiest way to explain it. There are many different kind of recipes that manufacturers use for the core, for the outer layer, but this is like the basics. So both of these materials are petrochemicals, so made from oil, essentially. And yeah, this is like a modern golf ball. There are different versions. There are two-piece, there are three-piece balls that are have these different layers. But usually it's a two or three piece model consisting of these materials. Mm. So that is that is a modern golf ball. It was different in the past. Like five, six hundred years ago in Scotland, they used feather balls. You know, they stuffed uh, like chicken feathers in the ball and they played with, with this ball. Really? And, yeah. So they stuffed chicken feathers into like what type of vessel? I mean, because they did a have... leather, into a leather. It was just leather? Yes. And they stitched it, and that's it. Like this was the this was the ball. They that's tried to make it so as cool. round as possible, of course. But they used it, I think, for two or three hundred years. People played golf with these kind of balls. Oh my god, that's incredible! Because you think you think about, I mean, wind, any type of wind, that would just be yeah. brutal. Wow, yes. that's incredible. Like yeah, and you have also to to mention the equipment, like the clubs they were using back then. They were not the clubs that we're using today. So very different world. And mm -hmm. after these feather balls, they started to make uh, like rubber balls with natural rubber, sort of from the rubber tree. And then the modern balls, they added kind of the plastic outer layer to just make the ball more durable, first of all, because this was always the problem in the, in the past. Like they, these balls just they broke down. They just didn't work as intended. And yeah, so pretty much in the last decades, it's these materials. Mm -hmm. And so how do you guys approach your golf ball? Yeah. So what we want to accomplish is this model of the circular economy. So we want to make our product as circular as possible. We use the same materials that the other modern golf balls use, but we use waste material. So 90% of our ball the inner core is made from recycled golf balls that are not used anymore and would otherwise go to waste. 
So we're kind of filling a gap in the product lifecycle of a golf ball. Maybe for people who are not into this, I start from the start. I can explain that, that circle a bit. So first of all, people buy new golf balls, right? They buy just regular golf balls. Second step, people lose golf balls. <laughs> people lose a lot of golf balls. <laughs> people lose a lot of golf balls. This is like <laughs> a natural a rule, you know? Yeah, it's like, everybody does. <laughs> that's just part of the game. And that's something you cannot really avoid. Mm-hmm. Of course, people who play better golf, they lose less golf balls. But people mm-hmm. who start or don't play that often, they lose many golf balls out there. Maybe to put some numbers on that, it is estimated that in the US alone, 300 million golf balls per year are being lost, which is crazy. Like that, That's a lot. That's a lot of golf balls. Either that's a lot of golfers or really bad golfers or just a lot of lost golf balls. But that's a, that's a large number though. I mean, when you think about that as weight too, weight and yes. volume, I mean, that's, it's kind of like you think how many truckloads or football fields basically, like that's a lot. Yeah, I have to do some calculation of how many, like, I don't know, swimming pools or whatever this is. Yeah, Yeah, but if you think there are so many golfers and on average, you can say that a golfer loses two to three balls, like per round of 18 holes is like a normal golf round. So that's just the math behind. Okay, so second step, people lose golf balls. In the US, 300 million, globally estimated up to 500, 600 million per year. Also, to compare that, there are 1.2 billion new golf balls are being manufactured every year around that number, and 600 millions are lost. So half of the yearly production of golf balls is being lost. That's I mean, when you think about it in a sport perspective, you're like, those are lost golf balls. When you think about it as a manufacturing perspective, that's 50% of product. That's a large amount of waste. Yes. I mean, golf ball manufacturers are happy about this, you know? Yeah, because they're they can, near they selling sell golf balls. Again and again and again. And people buy again. Yeah, but that's just some numbers too that people maybe maybe understand like the scale of this problem. Okay, so people lose golf balls. Where do people lose golf balls? Usually people lose golf balls on a lake inside a golf course or ponds or small rivers or in the high grass, or somewhere in the woods or bushes. Like there are Mm -hmm. several places where golf balls hide. Usually there are very famous spots on golf courses where you know, okay, people lose golf balls right here. (laughs) That's such an elegant (laughs) way to put it. (laughs) Maybe you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Definitely. There's always always that spot where you're like, oh, well, this hole, you're probably going to go in the water. Yeah, you just kind of know those spots. Yes. So... The next step is how do we get these lost golf balls out from there? Because that's what is our goal and that's what is happening already in the industry. It's called recycled golf balls or lake balls. There are different different names to that. Essentially, divers and companies specializing in that, they retrieve those lost golf balls, at least parts, not all of them. There are many golf balls stay in there because you can't find them or whatever. But there is an industry like collecting these golf balls. The next step is that these golf balls are being sorted by quality because some golf balls are in very good condition. They can just be cleaned and and sold again and used again, which is the most sustainable thing you can do. Also to all golfers out there, just have a look on your local golf course and pick up those lost golf balls if you see them and Mm -hmm. play with them again because that's the best thing you can, like that's the most sustainable thing you can do. 
because reusing an existing product is always better than manufacturing a new product mm -hmm. in terms of efficiency. Okay, so people lose golf balls, lost golf balls are collected, lost golf balls are sorted by quality. Good golf balls go into secondhand sales, which we are not doing, but other brands are doing that. And we work with golf balls that cannot be sold anymore in the late ball secondhand market because they are damaged, mm. right? These golf balls would normally go to waste, which is sad because the material in itself is still good, but just the cover has some scratches or the electric mower like destroyed the surface or it was too long in the water so that the, the plastic just is not as reactive anymore that the golf ball needs. So what, what we do and what we do in our manufacturing is remove the outer layer from the golf ball, like scrape off all of the, the outer plastic layer. So you only have like the, the inner rubber core left. And we take this rubber core and add a completely new coating, completely new outer layer with the same material, thermoplastic material. And we put our logo on it. And then it's a new golf ball with a recycled core. That's, that's mm. what we call it. I love that. So we're trying to close that loop in the product life cycle of a golf ball on the one side. And on the other side, provide an attractive, sexy alternative for golfers as a brand and be the sustainable golf ball brand for people. Because with lake balls, you only buy other brands. You know, you buy your normal Titleist, TaylorMade, Srixen, golf ball. These, these are all golf ball brands. But we think that people need to, they want to buy a sustainable brand. They want to be associated with the brand and with the mission of this brand. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's kind of our approach. This. I hope this was not too, too complicated. No, 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 this is fantastic. No, really fantastic. Because I mean, it's it's such a complex process when you think about it. And what I find interesting is, you know, the golfer, yeah, I think they're really open to sustainable solutions. They just won, they don't know how. But also more importantly, I think the sport is such a mental game. If anybody's played golf, it's it's between the ears, 90% of it. The rest is how how can you play golf? Sometimes when you're teeing up lake balls or old balls, you want to have that new ball feeling because you're like, okay, I'm going to play well. You know, this ball that's kind of messed up, maybe I won't play as well, but I'm just going to use this ball. Yeah. And I feel like that mental difference, you know, you guys are actually addressing that in a way too. So like for the golfer, there's an added benefit of like, oh, well, I can use these old balls technically like lake balls. So I'm being making that sustainable choice, but it's also a quote unquote new golf ball. So that way I'm not only playing like the old ones kind of thing exactly so it's like a mix of these two things for us it's a new golf ball with a recycled core so we want to take the best out of both worlds if you, if you want to but we're not against lake balls i think lake balls are great we just want to provide an alternative to that yeah definitely and i i think the the interesting part about it so i mean i think that you guys are the most sustainable i mean definitely the most sustainable golf ball company but debatably golf company in the market right now and you're still using plastic but it's that journey right it's like th there's a point where technology can enable that innovation where maybe the outer layer and the cover can actually be recycled materials too but i would love to learn more just about the idea of taking those steps knowing that like this is a journey and you guys are always going to do the best you can but not sacrifice quality of you know the experience of golf 
Yes. So that's something that we said from the beginning on. I think we don't want to exchange sustainability with performance. We want always to have both things in, in, into our products to also make switching to a more sustainable alternative easier for the consumer and for the golfer. I think if people know and feel, okay, this product may be sustainable, but quality is bad or I play worse golf with it, they would just want to use it and this won't work. So as you said, we see this as a journey. This is the first step for us. We are a very small brand and uh, with very limited resources. And that's the first step. And I think we have a good product and we are in the market, but we're definitely not at the end of the road. You don't know what's happening in the future in terms of material research, in terms of manufacturing capabilities, in terms of recycling capabilities. There's just so much happening in the industry right now, not only in the golf industry. I'm speaking about the general sustainability and recycling industry that I can tell you what's the product going to be in five or 10 years. But we try to keep it going and improve and improve every year and every day. As you said, maybe the outer material, we find a solution at some point that this is kind of, is not a petrochemical based material, but is maybe a natural material again, like it was back in like 100 years ago. But there is always the, there shouldn't be a trade-off between sustainability and performance. That's what I said before. And that's the tricky part because right now the inner core, which is synthetic rubber, this could be made quite easily with natural rubber. But the more challenging part is the outside because the outside needs to be very durable and hard and also soft at the same time. Like it's hard to explain. But for golfers, they want to have a soft feeling when they hit the club to the golf ball. But actually, the material needs to be really hard to being able to cope with that pressure and this impact of the club. So that's, yeah, it's, it's not that easy. So does that feel, you know, the golfer has? I, I mean, I always thought it was the actual rubber inside. Is It's more the casing that's actually dictating that feel? It's both. Yeah. More like, I'm thinking more like if you're chipping or putting, you know, that kind of like, you're not, you know, mashing it with an iron, but like, is it, yeah, what's compressing more? Cause I, the outside casing is a fascinating thing. Is it just a mold that basically, like, how does it actually go together? I've never understood it. Yeah. It's a molding process. So mm -hmm. it's basically two metal plates going on top of each other. The solid rubber core is in the inside. And then there is, it's called injection molding. So that thermoplastic goes in there. And then you have the mold form where also the dimples, so the, the little holes come into play. People know like uh, these little things on a golf ball. And that's how a golf ball is made. But in, in terms of feeling, it's both. It's the outside and the inner core, really. More advanced golf balls use other outside materials that feel softer, but it's also way more difficult to process and it's way more expensive. So that's kind of the trade-off. So premium balls usually use urethane as a cover material. That's something we might look into in the future as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the quality of the golf ball, I think that's interesting for, is that part of the adoption rate that you guys have had to work through? It's how do you get somebody to, because I feel like you're a little bit brand loyal when you're a golfer a little bit, like you might play lake balls, but when you find like a Titleist or a Callaway, you're like, oh, well, I'm going to save this lake ball for a special day. How is that process of adopting a new brand? Because I mean, you're the one running marketing 
brand awareness what is that like educating someone on like this is a completely different concept of golf but it won't make your game worse it's a big challenge to be honest i think uh, many golfers are very stubborn when it comes to the choice of their brand and golf balls although to be honest we think that for 90 or 95 let's say 90 percent of golfers out there it does not matter at all which golf ball or brand they're playing like they, they have other issues to work yeah. on <laughs> with their golf swing and mental game or, or whatever. Like the golf ball is the, is the last piece to your successful golf game. But I think that the hardest barrier is to is the first contact and to get the ball into the hands of these people and say, okay, try it, you know, mm-hmm. try and see if you like it. Do you remember the first time you tried it? Yes. What was that? Like you, I mean, you had your own golf ball. Yeah, that was a fantastic feeling, like to have your own product in your hands with your brand that you worked on, that you developed. It's fantastic. That's what I like about it. I have it, I have it here, a golf ball from us. Yes. So, so where did the first shot go? <laughs> it didn't go that far because I was on the chipping. Oh, okay. <laughs> because that's actually where you can pass the Feel balls the, the best. On mm-hmm. the chipping, pitching, putting, that's where you feel how a ball moves. For long shots, you don't really see that much of a difference. Now, that's more durability, I noticed. So durability of golf ball, I think, is an important thing. So I don't know if I fall in like a smaller percentage of golfers, but I've noticed some some golf balls, if you hit them enough and hit them hard enough, the casing will start to just break down. And I think that that's also part of that decision of what brand you actually start to use in golf because you don't want to waste golf balls by just hitting them you want to if you're going to lose a golf ball you lose a golf ball you don't want to just waste it by it coming apart so what does the durability look like for you guys because obviously the touch that needed to be there but that durability also needed to be there yes so i would say our product is, is very durable so it can definitely compare with what's out there in the market And from a sustainability perspective, of course, durability is very crucial because you don't want to buy a a golf ball and then use it uh, two or three, four times, and then it's broken. Like, that's not what we want. And we're confident that our ball is is as good as others in the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's been kind of the most fun part of the process for you? Has it been the product development? Has it been seeing people using them? What's kind of been the fun part for you? Well, it's always nice to see people actually using the product and get personal feedback on the course from other golfers. I think that's the best for everyone who who has their own their own product to see it in use. But for me as a marketing guy, it's also interesting, you know, to tell this sustainability story and explain people our concept of what we do, whether this is in a podcast or on social media or personally when talking to people. And we see, and our job is to just explain this, you know, explain what I explained to you, explain that every year, 100 millions of golf balls are being lost, explain which materials are being used, explain where golf balls are made and where you play them, how far the golf ball has already traveled before you have your first tee shot. So people don't really realize that. And we see this as part of our job, not only to sell product, but to bring awareness about this topic into the industry and to, to the people, actually, to golfers. And this is not only limited to, to golf balls or equipment. We also want to talk more broadly about the topic of sustainability in golf, because mm-hmm. I think that's very, very important. Yeah. Where do you think that market's going? So it's it's been starting to 
be a more discussed topic I've noticed across the industry and the sport. It's been, you know, how, whether it's water usage or, you know, just how, how you manage the golf course and the people on it, all that kind of stuff and the beverages they're trying. What's your take on kind of where the market's going in golf in sustainability, that shift? Yes, I would definitely agree that there is a shift taking place right now. I see a lot of discussion going on. People are becoming more and more aware about this topic. I would separate two things, two markets. On the one side, there is the equipment market, Mm -hmm. golf balls, golf clubs, fashion, accessories, trolleys, this stuff. I see a lot of things happening there. So big brands like the shirt I'm wearing here, Adidas co-branded Tomorrow Golf, is made with 100% recycled polyester. So on this side, I, I feel like a lot of things are happening. With the golf clubs, I think there is still a bit of a blind spot when it comes to second hand, because I know so many people who buy new golf clubs like every two years. And I always wonder oh, where do they put the old ones? Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like the golf balls. Does it actually help? <laughs> no, of course it does not help, but it's good for the industry. Yes. Yes. So that's the one side where I feel like things are happening. On the other side, you have all the golf courses, the facilities, the golf tourism and and this stuff. Also there, a a lot is happening, but I think it's still, there are regional differences in the markets. I feel like the the UK, Scotland, they are on on the forefront when it comes to these things. It's driven here in Europe by the R&A. So the governing body of golf, they try to help golf courses to develop a roadmap towards creating a more sustainable golf course and becoming better when it comes to maintenance. There are so many things you can do there. And I feel like it's always like in life and in business, it depends on who is owning the topic and the people behind the scenes. So I feel like some people have a very strong personal drive to change things, golf course managers. Others aren't really interested in that topic and maybe don't feel that pressure or demand from their members. So they are not really active yet. Mm -hmm. But in general, I would say uh, there is a lot of things, a lot of good things happening right now and the discussion going on, which is on the one side driven by consumer demand and public discussion and public pressure. But on the other side, which is, I think, even more effective from economic standpoints, because you see now there's increasing gas prices globally. So also golf courses have to deal with that and they have to think about, okay, can I afford my diesel mower or do mm-hmm. I have to change to an electric mower? Or can I still afford my gas heating or do I need to change to solar panels on the roof of my clubhouse? Mm-hmm. So there are many things happening in this regard. Also, when it comes to water management, of course, if you use less water, to maintain your golf course, it's less dollars or euros you have to spend on water. Yeah. So I think this economic pressure has a way bigger impact than the, I don't know, moral or consumer debate. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good thing that that's happening. But at the same time, I think people forget sometimes that golf courses are businesses and they operate on margins like any other business. And so if they can be more efficient, why would they not try and be more efficient? So, I mean, for example, my, the golf course I play quite frequently here, solar panels on the clubhouse, 
they use 70% recycled water around the course. I mean, it just, they, they try and make all of those choices because they're trying to operate a business more efficiently. And I think that that's, I think traditionally golf has been considered a completely unsustainable sport. But the side of it that I find interesting too is that when you are out on a golf course, let's say five o'clock in the afternoon, sun's kind of going down, there's something amazing about being truly out in nature on that. Like, yes, it's mowed grass and yes, they water it and stuff like that. But you're actually out in nature. You see birds, you see animals. I mean, you're you're actually in a natural ecosystem that isn't a building. And I think that there's also a play for golf of it gives people an opportunity to appreciate nature and actually go out into it. Whereas a lot of people just think it's people who don't care about the environment at all or, you know, how much water is being used. Absolutely. And I think golf really has uh, incredible potential to not only be not negative to the environment, but to be actually bring something positive to the table. You know, I think golf courses have great potential to increase biodiversity in urban areas to provide, as you said, uh, leisure spaces, parks where people can, can go jogging, whatever, from the local communities, which is, I think, especially in very urban regions, very difficult for many people to have space to actually calm down, to experience nature. And golf courses can, can act as a space where they, people can do that. Of course, you always need collaboration bec between cities, local communities, and golf managers' membership that this works, you know. It shouldn't be like a secluded place somewhere where people cannot enter. I feel like golf should open up itself and invite people to say, hey, come to our golf course, experience nature, see how beautiful it is here. And then maybe some of the stereotypes people have in their heads about golf maybe will go away over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, the it's interesting being in a sustainability brand, you in golf and me in media, and we're both golfers. And so sometimes you're like, well, the stigma comes with you and you're like, well, hold on, let me explain this though. And then it's like, oh, well, okay, now this makes sense. And I just think that that stigma, I think is starting to change though, just because, I mean, I think with you going back to golf in the pandemic, I was actually right before that. I took 10 years off of playing golf as well and slowly started going back to playing it. And it's gone through massive growth in the last few years. I mean, golf has grown exponential growth from youth all the way up to adults. And I think the pandemic helped with that, but I think that's where the opportunity is. You have all these new people who've never experienced golf. You have a way that you can rewrite how golf is played, whether it's the sustainable mindset, the course management, how people think about how they use golf balls. I mean, you're almost teaching people how to play golf because it's all new people, whereas you're not quite taking the old. So I find that topic fascinating because you guys are leading that charge and like giving a product solution to people. And so when you're doing that with like a somebody who's kind of new at golf and they're kind of trying to understand where they can improve their game, where does that conversation kind of go when it goes, hey, let's go with our golf ball then? Yes, totally, totally. So there are really cool initiatives that I see out there that people are being invited on the golf course, local community members, where you see like... Uh, where the golf course explains why, like which sort of birds, for example, live on this golf course and why it's important that we have those trees in there and why it's important that we have this and that. So 
I think it needs a lot of, in the end, it needs a lot of communication and collaboration and openness from every party involved that the golf can really make a, a sustainable impact. I don't think that like on a global level, growth of the game is always the best. As I think in general, when it comes to sustainability, I think we cannot solve this climate crisis by consuming and growing all the time and, and doing new stuff. So I think there are just some areas in the world where golf should not be played. It's very hard to say mm -hmm. that for me, but it's just the only logical answer. I think there is just no space for golf in Dubai or in Nevada. It's just not made for that. And it needs so much energy and, and maintenance power to actually create the golf course there. But I would say in, in areas where it's feasible and where the natural landscape mm -hmm. offers opportunities, definitely yes. So we talked already about last time, I remember, about Scotland, about St. Andrews golf. So I had the honor to, to play there last year. For people who don't play golf, like uh, St. Andrews is considered the home of golf. It's where the sport was created 600 years ago. It's every golfer's dream to go to. It's pretty much the pilgrimage of a golfer to play St. Andrews one day. Everybody wants to. Absolutely, yes. And I had the honor to, to do this last year. And there it's so fascinating to see this course because it's an absolutely natural landscape. Like there was no golf architect or designer involved. The people, the local people, like 600 years ago, they just saw this area and they said, oh, that's a good place to play golf because like the natural landscape was just perfect to do. Mm -hmm. And that's so fascinating because this is like where golf comes from. It's in, in its origins, it's a very sustainable and sport that's very much connected to nature. And I think in the last years when the game grew in the last decades, some things may have developed in the wrong direction. But yeah, in general, the sport has big, has huge potential to do good. So what was your favorite part of playing St. Andrews? My favorite part is probably teeing off at the first hole where you can really feel the pressure. You feel like you're competing in, in the Masters or in the Open. And although the, the fairway, like the hole is, I think, 200 or 300 meters wide. So it's like very easy to place a ball somewhere in there. And like you should be able to do that. You still feel that pressure. And yeah, it's just when you're there, you get to feel the rich history of the sport. People come there from all over the world to play this course one time. And yeah, it's just an experience. I would tell everyone, go there and try to play there. And it's not only St. Andrews. There are in Scotland so many fantastic golf courses that are very similar and very old and, and maybe less crowded and a bit less expensive than St. Andrews. But yeah, no, absolutely amazing experience. Yeah, it's definitely on my bucket list to go all over Scotland and play all the courses because there is so much history there and really just beautiful landscapes. Like I think that's part of it is just the views I've heard are unreal. So absolutely. What's kind of your hope for the future of tomorrow golf? I mean, where are you guys looking to go in terms of your golf ball development, any other development products? I mean, where where's kind of tomorrow golf going? That's a good question. I think in terms of golf ball uh, development, maybe just start there. We want to offer a more advanced model also for like low handicap players. Right now with our model, we're targeting more mid to high handicappers. So that's something we want to achieve next year. 
and as we were talking before, do more research and development when it comes to materials to see what can be done there. So we're in talks with university team, like with people who really understand a lot about chemistry to find maybe new creative ways to how to build a golf ball and which materials to use. We have some ideas already, but nothing really to tell you about already. <laughs> so next to this, we're trying to add more products to our product range. So next to golf balls, we want to offer also accessories and maybe fashion at some point. We already have accessories. We have golf tees made from bamboo, which is the most sustainable option for bamboo tees. Actually, here also a lot is happening. I think in the UK, they're planning to ban plastic tees from golf courses by next really? year. Really? Really? That's what I heard, yes. So this is wow. a cool sign. I, li I like that. So, And I think other countries might, might follow on that. Yeah. Yeah, so bigger product range. And then, of course, we, we, want to, we want to grow. We want to find new partners. We, right now, we're selling almost only in our online shop. But we're looking for retail partners. So if anyone listening is interested, hit me up. Totally. Always eager to talk. But we also want to go into offline sales more in actual shops at golf courses, maybe also traditional sports retail. So this is the things we want to want to grow at. And in the end, we want to have happy customers who are happy with our product, who are proud to be a sustainable golfer. Mm -hmm. And we want people to feel connected in a community and to be part of something bigger than just their own golf game. I love that. I love that. I mean, I think you, you're well on your way. I feel like the golfers, you've gotten good feedback. You have a good product. It's now just that growth stage, which is super exciting and super fun. Do you remember your first consciously sustainable purchase that you made where you went, you know what, I'm going to make this purchase because I feel like it is a more sustainable option? No. <laughs> I don't. No, to be very honest, I don't. Like, I feel like when I was raised as a kid, this topic of, I wouldn't call it sustainability back then. It was just normal to separate Life. trash and to recycle things and to not throw away things in, into nature. This was always normal for me. I, I can't really tell you a sustainable purchase I've I made it. on purpose. Yeah, it's just been a lifestyle thing from, from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, no one is perfect. And I think that's important to tell people, also maybe your listeners. I think no one is perfect and you don't have to be perfect, no matter what you do. I think every single step you take towards living a more sustainable life and being more conscious about your decisions is good. And it's better to have a lot of people who do great at 80% than only a little amount of people that do great at 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It is whatever you can do to kind of improve. And then collectively as a community, we make a bigger impact that way. Yeah. If every industry like we do in the golf industry would do their part to improve in whatever they can, I think we can really make a big, a big step overall. And I'm quite positive that things are going in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. And then what's your favorite place to enjoy nature anywhere in the world? Well, I think it's at home where I come from. So I was living close to a river, big river in Austria, the Danube River. And that's where I, I grew up. And when I go for a walk there, I just calm down. I just take big breaths and I enjoy nature. And I, it's not that much that I need, actually. It's just a few 
half an hour walk and I go there and I look into the water and I'm relaxed and I'm happy. I love that. I and love the golf that. course, of course. Yeah. Separate question. When's your favorite time to play golf? Because I always find this interesting in the golf community. Some people are like, I love the first morning. Other people are like, I like sunset. Some people like midday. No, I'm very in the team of sunset. Uh, mm-hmm. Very much into that team. I love it in summer, in early summer, May, June, July, to go very late at 6, 7 p.m., 8 p.m., where all of the other people already left. And it's like I have the golf course for myself. And the sun is going down and I can play. I relax my round. I often go alone just to calm down and enjoy the game. And that's what I love most. Oh, I'm definitely on that team too. That is like such a visual thing. I love that. We should go together once. Oh, I'm so down for that. So down. Do you think that that's part of it too? I mean, in terms of running your own company, right? Because you haven't, this is your first venture of really going at it. Do you think that that process of going to play golf in the afternoon to kind of calm down and relax, do you think that also adds to your ability to continue to build the company too? Because I think there's a balance that golf brings to actually the relaxation of the body because you're kind of under that high pressure, but I think golf is a sport the sport is kind of about the pursuit of perfection. You'll never be perfect at it. Any golfer knows that, but it's about the pursuit of it. And I feel like in business, you are also pursuing that perfection. So do you feel like that kind of draws you to each other? Like whether it's work or golf, you're kind of drawn to both because of that challenge of perfection? 100%. I think it helps a lot to have this balance in work again and to be more focused. I think golf teaches you a lot of things for your for your business life. When it comes to patience, when it comes to resilience, when it comes to dealing with negative thoughts. It's all these things that happen in golf that definitely help in the business world. I can totally agree on that. But I think neither in golf nor in business, you reach the level of perfection. And I think if you want to do things perfectly all the time, you will just go crazy because first, it's not possible. Second, perfection is always subjective because perfect means for me something different than for my partner. And yeah, so for me, I always say better done than perfect. That's something that I I like to say when I have a to-do list, better I do things, better I have them ticked off than just spend hours and hours trying to do them perfectly because it's never perfect. I love that. That's such a good perspective. Wow. So how can people kind of connect with either you, Tomorrow Golf, can involve with the brand? Where can kind of people connect with you? Yes. So easiest, probably uh, follow us on Instagram at Tomorrow Golf. No space in between, all in one at Tomorrow Golf. Same handle on LinkedIn, but you can also message me on LinkedIn on my private profile. Maybe you can link up my name in the, in totally. the notes because it's yep, we'll link everything for, it, for English speakers. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. No, we'll link everything in the bottom. So yeah, I'm very reactive on LinkedIn. If you shoot me a message or on Instagram, we'll definitely come back. And if you want to follow us, I'd be really happy to get some new followers on Instagram, on LinkedIn and to connect and talk. Awesome. Well, Lucas, thank you so much for taking the time and diving in on all things golf, golf balls, tomorrow golf. I mean, such an exciting future ahead for you guys and highly recommend anybody to try these golf balls for sure. Thanks so much, Steve. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Sustainable Goat Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Kastenham. With each episode, we can further define what it means to create a truly sustainable and resilient future. 
I think the new status is to show that, that you actually care. You want to drive change and you want to be part of a sustainable future. People fight for what they love. Let's really hold tight for a small but significant shift in the way we live, we consume, and we plan our life. Join us at sustainablegoat.com.